Hello, hello, and thanks for tuning in. My name is Beth Salafia, and I am the Director of Programming and Research at BioGirls. Just so you know a little bit about me, I earned my PhD from the University of Notre Dame, then was a professor at North Dakota State University for 13 years before joining the team at BioGirls. This month, as you may know, is Mental Health Awareness Month. At BioGirls, we're committed to helping girls learn about and improve their mental wellness. In fact, mental wellness is one of the four key pillars of the BioGirls program. During the month of May, we at BioGirls are doing a short podcast series to discuss mental health and wellness topics that are relevant to parents and adolescents in our community. Over the next few weeks, I'll be speaking with industry professionals in hopes to bring more awareness and understanding to the importance of mental health. Again, thanks for listening. Hi, everyone. I'm here today with Dr. Katherine H. Gordon. Dr. Gordon is a licensed clinical psychologist who specializes in cognitive behavioral therapy. She's also the author of the Suicidal Thoughts Workbook, CBT Skills to Reduce Emotional Pain, Increase Hope, and Prevent Suicide. I actually met Katie while we were both professors at North Dakota State University, and I'm so excited to be chatting with you again today, Katie. Me too. Thank you so much for asking me on to talk about something that I feel very passionate about sharing information and resources about. So thanks so much for inviting me. We are going to be talking about a pretty serious topic today, um, suicide. Unfortunately, this is an essential topic to discuss because suicide is the second leading cause of death in North Dakota among those aged 10 to 24. So it's a very significant issue that needs discussing. Um, I'm just going to throw out a couple stats here to give um, our listeners a perspective about why we're talking about suicide and how prevalent it actually is. Um, according to data collected from the youth self-report in North Dakota, almost a quarter of teens report having seriously thought about killing themselves, and about 10% of teens report actually having tried to kill themselves. Um, North Dakota has the nation's second highest rate of suicide among 10 to 14 year olds and the sixth highest suicide rate for 15 to 19 year olds. So clearly this is a topic we need to know and talk more about. So I'm very glad to have you here, Katie, as an expert in the area and someone that we can um, gain some knowledge and perspective from. Thank you. So to start us off, Katie, can you give us as parents some information on how we should talk to our kids about suicide? Absolutely. I think that because suicide is a topic that is very scary for most parents, understandably, it's, it's anxiety provoking to think about kids struggling and suffering. It can be hard to talk directly about it. And I do encourage people to talk directly about it to their children by asking if they feel suicidal and rather than kind of um, working around it. Now there are developmental considerations and individual consideration. And as a parent, you know your child best. And so if there are certain ways that they understand things or that you feel are most appropriate, then I would use your parental expertise. But the idea is to ask directly about it there's plenty of research at this point suggesting it does not plant the idea in their heads. And then the next part that's really important after asking, you know, are you having thoughts about suicide or that you would be, we'd be better off without you or whatever it might be, is to listen. And I think that's really hard as parents too, because 
It's scary if your child says, yeah, I have been thinking about that. So the next piece of listening non-judgmentally to what they say, rather than jumping in either to tell them things aren't that bad, well-intended, but can kind of be invalidating or telling them, you know, okay, we're gonna solve this problem right now together. That kind of sends a message that you're not open to what they're gonna say. And so I really, really encourage sitting there saying that must be hard, empathizing. Can you tell me more about that? The goal is to really understand before talking about next steps. And that will encourage your child to continue opening up more because they understand that you're just trying to really get where they're coming from and that you're not judging them. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that with us. I think that um, there's a misconception out there that by talking to our kids about certain things, whether it's um, sexual behavior or suicide, that we're actually encouraging those behaviors. And I really appreciate that you pointed out that the research does not show that that's true. So we don't need to shy away from difficult conversations. We should still be having them. So thanks for making sure that point that out to us. You're welcome. I think that it's, it's understandable where that belief comes from, but kids are exposed to a lot of things just in their day-to-day -day going to school and learning about it. And so the goal is really to be a trusted person that they can get accurate information from rather than trying to ignore mm -hmm. the topic altogether. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So as we're having these conversations with our kids, can you tell us what might be an appropriate age to start doing so? Like, and what age is too young to be having talks like this? It's a good question. And I don't think there is a very precise answer. I think that kids are going to understand what suicide or depression means in different ways, depending on their developmental level or certain things about them. I think that if you notice signs that your child, which I know we'll talk more about in a moment, might have something wrong with them or they're acting different than usual, then that's a good time to ask them what's going on. And you, if you have some reason to think that they might be thinking about hurting themselves or that people would be better off without them, then finding a way to ask them about that can be important. And, and now I think that it can be difficult if you know if the child is three or four or some something really young like that, and that's why it can be helpful to talk to a therapist or a or a counselor at their school or call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, which is one 8255 and ask them for advice given your situation, and that way you can get a little support as you decide how to approach it. Mm -hmm. So. Um, given the variability of what might be an appropriate age to talk to a, a child about suicide or, or what they're feeling, um, what are some, maybe some warning signs that parents should be aware of, whether they're like signs that we need to have this conversation about suicide, or if there's signs that like e their child is considering suicide? Okay, well, I think that some of the the clearer signs is if they're talking at all about feeling like people would be better off without them or they'd be better off dead or they're talking about hurting themselves. A lot of parents wouldn't do this, but some might think that that's 
for attention or that's whatever it is. And it might be for attention and, and that they need attention and help in dealing with what they're going through. So I wouldn't dismiss it at all if they're saying clear things like that. Other children and adolescents are not as clear. And so you'll see signs like they're withdrawing, they're isolating, they're not enjoying things as much as they used to. Sleep disruption can be a big sign if there's insomnia or nightmares. If you're noticing um, big change in appetite, that can be another sign too. And so these are the types of things that you want to look for and check in with your kids about if you see these signs. Mm -hmm. Can I throw you kind of a little sidebar here and, and ask um, about like social media or um, like should parents be aware of their what their child's posting or like do they tend to give warning signs um, in other ways besides um, some of the things you mentioned? Yes, I, I do think, you know, depending on their age, their I think the younger kids, parents should monitor social mm -hmm. media, obviously more than, than, than older children or adolescents, but still being aware and noticing that if they're saying something like they're feeling down, certainly if they're mentioning suicide specifically, or if they're feeling alone, those are all signs to check into and ask them, what did they mean by that? Mm -hmm. and, and the point is very much similar to the first question, which is it's asked in a non-judgmental supportive way. So they don't feel like they're getting in trouble or they're getting, they should feel ashamed. Rather, it's just genuine interest in trying to understand what they're going through and how you can help. Mm -hmm. So if we take things kind of to the next step, so um, moving past warning signs, what, what do we as parents do if our child has communicated or we've found out that they have suicidal thoughts or behaviors. So not like, you know, like just like the beginning warning signs and the prevention strategies, like what do we do if like our, our children confide in us or like we are become aware that they have suicidal thoughts or behaviors? I would definitely recommend seeking professional help for them, finding a therapist or a counselor that can talk to them. If you're worried about them immediately harming themselves, you know, if they're planning to hurt themselves, for example, or in the, you know, if there's some level of alarm where you're worried about that, then you can also take them to the emergency room to be evaluated. That those are some options. Mm -hmm. If they say they're having some suicidal thoughts, but they wouldn't act on them, I still recommend making an appointment to see a professional and then focusing on safety. And that means safely storing any guns that are in the house through locks, separating the ammunition and bullets from the guns, um, looking at access to pills or medications or other lethal methods and trying to make the house as safe as possible. And also talk to the child about ways that they can reach out if they're feeling like they're going to hurt themselves. What kind of supports can they do? How can you help them to feel better and to cope with it? And so those are the suggestions I have. And I think that they're best when guided by a professional, but also I know sometimes there are wait lists or things like that. Like I said, if you feel like you can't wait or you're worried, I, I, the emergency room is an option. But in the meantime, there are some things you can also do at home 
And I, I, rec I recommend doing safe storage of lethal means really regardless of whether a child has expressed suicidality or not, because there is research suggesting that adolescents and kids are more likely to accidentally or through suicide get harmed by guns that are not stored safely. So these are things to consider. Um, kind of another sidebar for us, Katie. Um, I know that a lot of parents feel like they might, um, I don't know how to say this, but maybe like lose the trust or the confidence that their kids have in them by um, turning them over, so to speak, to the authorities. When we as parents know that we're actually like helping the child, like how, how can a parent cope with that feeling of like, you know, I'm, I'm losing, like my child is losing trust in me because I'm like going to, I'm taking her to therapy or, or the emergency room because I'm like scared. So how do you deal with those conflicting does that make sense? Like, how do you deal with those conflicting emotions of like being supportive of your child, but also like um, enabling that, that, that trust and that connection? Sometimes what, what can help is to use medical illness analogies. And so if your child has, has strep throat mm -hmm. or something more serious, if they have a problem with their thyroid or another medical condition, then bringing them to the doctor is how you take care of them. And mm -hmm. so sometimes using that analogy can help for both parents and kids. And mm -hmm. it's also, if it's expressed in a caring, loving way, you know, I want to make sure that you're safe and that you feel good and that you're happy. And I'm not sure how to do that. So we're, I, I, that's why I've reached out to this therapist and having those open discussions, asking them, how did they like therapy? What did they think about it? Did they feel comfortable? And mm -hmm. that way it feels they are participating. Meanwhile, you're still the parent and making decisions that you're not gonna ignore when something is wrong. Because sometimes when anyone is struggling with a mental health problem, they might feel like shutting down or isolating and it's, it can be hard to go talk to mm -hmm. a therapist. Mm -hmm. The nice thing is that most therapists, especially who work with children or adolescents are aware of this. And so they can facilitate conversations with the parent. They can find ways to help make the adolescent or child comfortable. They're not rushing things, you know, those types of things are in place. And so sometimes you could explain all of that and the child might still struggle to really understand that. Mm -hmm. But what I've seen from working with adults in therapy is that when parents do that down the line, they understand that they were being taken care of and that they were having their needs met, even if at the time they weren't, they didn't, they didn't fully understand that. Versus I think adults who were struggling and their parents didn't get them help, they tend to feel more upset that why didn't my parents try to help me earlier? Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think uh, obviously we know there's this really big stigma around mental illness um, or mental health problems. And so I like what you initially said about kind of equating it with like a physical ailment. Like you break your leg, you go to the hospital, right? I mean, that's an emergency. Same thing, like if there's a suicide risk, it's an emergency. So you would take care of those needs the same way. So it, it doesn't have to be a stigmatizing event. It's just a, a health event, right? And um, 
I, I appreciate you saying that. And I think you gave us as parents some really good perspective into handling things and, and coping with it like emotionally ourselves. I'm, I'm glad that could be helpful because I, I also kind of think about it. One thing that we tell our kids often is you could keep secrets, but not if someone could get hurt. Right. Mm -hmm. And so this is kind of the same type of thing that even if, for example, a sibling feels bad, are they betraying their brother or sister because they are sharing that they express some suicidal thoughts? That's not really the same situation of violating a secret. You're trying to protect someone when they're not doing well. For sure. Another good point. So I think um, in today's society and given the statistics, some of the statistics that I shared with you earlier, um, many children and teenagers know someone who has either attempted or committed suicide. So what can we as parents do if our child does have a friend or a family member or an acquaintance, I mean, someone at school or someone they know that has attempted or committed suicide? Like, what do we do in that situation? I think it's really important to similarly non-judgmentally listen to how they're feeling about it because it can be really devastating and difficult to understand Within North Dakota and, and across the country, the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention has chapters and resources for people who are bereaved and who have lost someone to suicide. And those can be very useful support groups for connecting with others who have been through it and, and are trying to understand it and trying to grieve. And so I do recommend that even though, it, again, it can feel uncomfortable or painful, to process these things, but it's really important. The American Association of Suicidology also has resources specifically for parents on their website. And I recommend checking that out too, because it can give you some guidance in terms of how to approach that. I think a good message here that you're conveying, at least that I'm interpreting, is um, that we can't just shy away from these things and pretend like they don't exist. It's, it's important to have an open dialogue, right? I mean, it's important that our kids know that we're there for them, um, whether they themselves are experiencing it or if they have experienced it through a, a friend or acquaintance. So really not, not shutting down those channels of communication. I think that's very important. Um, message to kind of reiterate if I, if I can at this point. So really being that parent figure and, and having those open channels of communication. Yes, exactly. So it, as a parent, I know it is diff, there are certain topics that are difficult mm -hmm. to manage. It's also hard to see your child struggling or grieving. I mean, all of those things are very difficult. And yet it can mean so much to them if they know that they can talk to you, even mm -hmm. if they don't say much at first, just knowing that you're going to be there, that, that can really mean a lot. And even if at that point in time, they don't open up or they don't, they're not struggling, it can set the stage mm -hmm. for later on. If they are struggling or one of their friends are, they know that you're a safe person to talk to. So it's worth doing, even though it is challenging. And I, I, I get it firsthand how challenging it can be. 
Yeah, for sure. And I, I think that, you know, even if you're not having conversations about suicide when the child is five, right, then at least have that relationship where your child can trust you. So building that trust early on and then setting the stage for these, these difficult conversations that will come later. So really it is kind of a lifelong process. You might not be dealing with suicide when they're five, but you are setting yourself up to be prepared to have those difficult conversations and be that support person later on. That's right. And, and, and when they're five and three and two, you can nurture their mental health by talking about feelings, by listening, by validating. And all of those things are important for, it doesn't, you know, suicide, often people get there because they're struggling, they're in pain, but before then education and concern and attending to emotional needs, that all is part of the, the bigger picture and can, can make it less likely for them to reach a point where they're considering suicide. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Um, thanks so much for your for the conversation today, Katie, and the perspective that you shared um, and the strategies, I think that are going to be very helpful for parents. Um, before we say goodbye, to kind of keep this this brief, that's the idea behind these podcasts, but before we say goodbye, do you have any resources you would recommend for our listeners? Yes, I mentioned the American Association of Suicidology. I would recommend their website, the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, and then I'd also recommend the Trevor Project, which is specifically uh, serving LGBTQ plus youth. There's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, which they have a website and chat and their phone number is 1-800-273-TALK or 8255. There is the Trans Lifeline, which is, they have a website and their number is one 565 And then finally, I wanna mention Project Yes, which is on the website schleiderlab.org, S-C-H-L-E-I-D-E-R-L-A-B.org. And what that is, is stand, Project Yes stands for Youth Empowerment and Support. And it's an anonymous program where there's a single session focused on mental health and teens can participate on the internet to do that. And so you, there's, there's a lot of interesting information and resources on that website as well. Thank you very much, Katie. Those are some great resources, I think, for our listeners to be aware of. So um, again, thank you very much for your time today and your helpful insight into a very difficult topic. You're very welcome. Thank you for doing this.